Welcome, welcome. This is Jesse with Recovering Mentally, coming to you live from Nebraska. I'm here today to talk to you about being your most authentic self. I personally left corporate America. It was affecting my mental health. It was affecting my sobriety. And now I branched out onto my own with learning all these kinds of great tools to help coach and guide you through this. Because you know what? We are awesome and we are badasses when we are doing the things that we love that are not only good for our self, our career, our success, but for our mind, body, and soul. So let's get started. Hey, you guys, welcome to Recovering Mentally. I hope you're doing great today. I am doing phenomenal because today I have Heidi Garbord Mueller, who is here. She is a mental health coach with a master's degree in social work out of Eclair, Wisconsin. And she is also a certified laughter leader. She makes me laugh regularly. I love it. <laughs> Heidi is the owner and operator of Locale. And that's two L's, so Local 2L's Motion LLC, a movement-based alternative intervention to traditional talk therapy. Heidi works with people from the ages of 9 to 90, helping them to empower themselves and make positive life changes through movement and laughter. Heidi, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate this. It's wonderful. So, in my opinion... You have had the most mind-boggling, incredible story that I have ever heard. And I know some of my listeners listen to the eight-minute teasers, but some may have not. So I'm really curious, what was your journey, like what got you into social work? And I, I'm going to let you talk about it. what got you into social work and what became an element of surprise as you were in this position? Yeah, thank you. Well, I, as a child, when I was growing up, I was always one of those kids that was kind of shy and quiet, but I always wanted to make others feel better or feel good about themselves. So I would do whatever it took, ever it took to make them feel better, such as holding their hand or wiping a tear away or telling a lot of those knee slappers, those really <laughs> mom and pop jokes just to make them laugh. Or I would simply just try to help out around the house or do some yard work to make it less stressful for the adults that were in my life. So when I decided to go to school, I was a late bloomer. I was about age 32. I decided to go into social work. And of course, you know, because when in social work, you want to help others. However, the most shocking thing happened along the way. I ended up helping myself the most. And that was a big surprise to me because you see back in uh, approximately 2012, I was diagnosed with ADHD. So up until that point, I just knew something, you know, wasn't quite right with myself. I was struggling to complete my work tasks on time. I was always, always late, notoriously late. I presented as a scatterbrain much of the time, whether I was at work or having to do something that I had to focus on that particular thing. Um, my poor eating habits returned, processed foods, which are so good, that they are not good for both your physical and mental health. Pretty much all of my exercising came to a screeching halt. And I absolutely love running, and my running just stopped. 
And so I just kept thinking, boy, something isn't right. After I was diagnosed with ADHD, I knew I needed to come forward with this diagnosis to my supervisor because for one thing, I've worked in mental health for the past probably 14 years or so. So I know the importance of a person living with a mental health or maybe an addiction, that it's important to come forward with it so you can provide support around you so you can do the best you can do at your job. So I did just that. I went and I spoke to my supervisor so that I could help, get some help at relearning some of the coping skills I have, but also learning new coping skills as well as helping me recognize some of my triggers that would get me off task. However, this disclosure to my supervisor did not go well at all. Uh, in fact, once I left the office, I felt extremely stigmatized. I felt as if there was something wrong with me. The shame that ended up coming with it was enormous. Uh, I ended up just keeping it all internal. Um, I was very, very alone as if, oh my gosh, nobody else has ADHD or some other disorder. It's like, oh, well, truthfully, I knew that wasn't correct. And again, my self-care, uh, such as my running, exercise, and eating, all came to a screeching halt. And at that point, I struggled to even get moving. And the ironic part was, I worked on a mental health team, and I recognized that I had little to no support from my colleagues, even though we supported our clients to do the best and be the best that they can be. Well, what I can tell you is this, being diagnosed with ADHD absolutely changed my life and it changed it for the better. That was the most shocking part about this whole thing and most amazing thing about it, that I will be forever grateful for it. So due to my diagnosis with ADHD, and my sensitive and silly and caring nature, you know, I started on this very slow, challenging and insightful journey of my self-discovery and found that my purpose in life was really to empower others to embrace who they are and to enjoy all the aspects of their being, all their faults and all their good things. You know, it's just to love yourself for who you are. Because of my journey, um, I have had the ability to hold space for others without any judgment and to guide them to face their own challenges by using compassion, respect, empathy, gaining their trust, which is the biggest thing. And the next biggest thing I would say is humor. Because what I think it is so cool to watch and it's so amazing to watch is seeing someone become empowered to who they are and to embrace who they are and to see that they have hope in their life. It is so incredibly amazing. So I guess even though uh, my journey into this world, you know, quote unquote ADHD has been difficult much at times in my life, I am truly grateful that I get to learn what I need to do to keep my body healthy, both physically and mentally. And if I would not have gone through this journey, I really believe I would have continued to spiral out of control. Also during the time, when I was initially diagnosed, I was 
put on med I was uh, prescribed a medication called Vyvanse. And Vyvanse is probably an amazing medication for most people out there. And it's just a slow release drug. But what I found out with me is that I'm allergic to it. And how that showed up in my body is that 10 days later when you had to do the med check, uh, the sweet nurse asked, well, how are you doing? And I started telling her, and let's just say there's 50 side effects to that medication, because I really don't know how many there are, but I probably had 49 and a half of them. Oh my and gosh. And the nurse teasingly said, what the hell are you doing? Stop taking this drug. So I teasingly said, well, I need to be a good patient because I work in mental health and drugs take a long time to get through your system. But this was a drug that was really bad for my body. And what I ended up realizing approximately two weeks after that uh, the Vyvanse was out of my body is that I was contemplating suicide. And I, I even had a plan, but when you asked me what that plan was, I'm not able to articulate it. I just knew I had it. Mm -hmm. I was like, whoa, that was, that was terribly scary. Mm -hmm. So that's why I'm saying the journey has been difficult at times, yes. but it has been wonderful because if I would not have had the sense to recognize what was possibly going on with my body initially, and then the nurse had to help me <laughs> over the other, <laughs> I probably may not be even be here to, to talk about this journey with you. So I am so grateful you are here. I'm still trying to wrap my brain around how a mental health office with mental health professionals can't can't grasp it and can't be welcoming and helpful. I mean, I can understand in the corporate environments that I've been in and, but I, because they don't know any better, but these people knew better. And you know, when you say that I, in the past, when this all started, I had the same thoughts. However, what I have really learned to grow is I have so much compassion and, and respect for the, the people that I worked with because mental health is scary. Yes. And I look back, and uh, it can be scary, but I look back even working with some of the people that who I did work with, times, you know, we felt lost, that mm -hmm. we didn't know how to help that individual. And I just wonder and think back going, boy, how lost that individual must have felt, how alone they felt like I did, how stigmatized, how shaming. So I've had to really kind of hold a lot of compassion in my heart and just kind of think, boy, that supervisor did the best she could yes. because she was afraid. I think she was, didn't know how to handle it and she handled it the best that she could. And Absolutely. Yeah, and that's where I'm now going to speak out about it to hopefully help other people in a similar situation to figure out their next step in their life. You know, maybe it is to find a new job that that uh, fits you better. So, so to move forward, uh, I ended up going back to getting my master's degree after uh, that particular job, and then I 
got another job, a social work job in mental health after receiving my master's degree. And it also didn't go very well. But I'm also so grateful for that job because that is was the particular job that really taught me to recognize what it is I want in my life. What it is it that I value? And I am a person who truly needs to be liked and wants to like others. But I was on a path that we weren't going to like each other. And that killed me. So I decided, I was out mowing the lawn one day and it was kind of cloudy out. And I was saying, oh my gosh, I can't do social work. I'm the worst social worker. This is terrible. And I can't do anything else. I'm going to be a truck driver. And I'm like, no, I don't like to drive. I'm going to be a garbage person. No, I don't want to pick up my own garbage. I was kind of whining. And I just sat there and went, when I feel the best is when I'm moving. Mm. I thought, can't I do, start a walking group for those living with uh, mental health challenges as well as addictions. And I thought, I have to quit my job. And it was cloudy out and all of a sudden it was sunny. Birds were chirping and there were no birds that day. And <laughs> I said, I have to quit my job. Mm. And was the turning point of my life. And I never looked back. I quit my job and I've never done that in my life. And it that, was that is where our stories intertwine. Because mm -hmm. I did the same thing. It was it was scary, but I knew it was best for my own mental sanity. I knew mm -hmm. I couldn't go back. And I was so far gone as far as that job. And it was I have to tell you, nobody in that company did anything wrong. They were mm -hmm. fantastic. Mm -hmm. But I knew that I couldn't go back so, so far to the point that I asked HR to pick my favorite maintenance engineer, have him box up my office and bring it to my house because I could not walk back in the office. Just because of the fear and the shame and the potential eyes looking at me, I just couldn't do it. It's the mm -hmm. thought of it terrified me. Yeah. So I can only, I can relate to that with you because, you know, it was scary to quit my job. It's scary to be in this position right now, especially in a pandemic. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I would, I would never have it any other way. Yeah. I no. really wouldn't. What what do you do for yourself now to keep your mind in that good mindset place? Well, we all get into a place at times where we have sadness and a lot of people will attribute it to its depression. And so people get sadness and depression very confused. But really it's we all get into at times where things are just not right and it's sad and it's scary, like during this pandemic. Um, so to help with some of that, when I wasn't, didn't have a job, so I didn't have money coming in. So I thought, well, what the heck? I might as well go spend money and go to a two-day training, right? So at that time, I decided to get diag diagnosed. I decided to get trained at what's called a certified laughter leader. And I thought, what the heck is a certified laughter leader? Is this something that it's made up or what have you? And I 
began researching it. I went on to our social work website and it's legitimate. Social workers <laughs> can get CEUs for attending this. So what it is for those people who don't know is, well, first of all, I thought it was a training to learn how to tell jokes or do some funny stuff. It's the complete opposite. It's literally about really embracing joy and it's learning various exercise, laughter exercises to do to get you to laugh. A lot of people, when you start off doing this, you're going, oh my, I have to laugh. What? <laughs> this feels so corny and silly. And all of a sudden, after the first laughter exercise, this relief of your body is absolutely amazing. And then the more we did these laughter exercises, we naturally would laugh and we would laugh so hard. So I, I also struggle with anxiety. So then I found out we had to do a presentation during this training. And I thought, oh, baloney, I'm not going to this training. Nope, I can't do this. So the day of the uh, presentation, um, the instructor said, I just need you guys to write down some points uh, so you can remember what to say. And my anxiety was so high, I couldn't even write down half of the first point of any notes. And with the laughter therapy, it's, it is research-based. So I began thinking, oh, this is baloney. Nothing's researched here. No way this is going to reduce anxiety. And sure enough, by the time it came to my turn, certainly we have to do, my anxiety was almost all gone. So a long answer for yours is, one of them is I try to laugh. I try to laugh with my friends. I will watch movies, um, listen to comedians just to laugh. Because mm -hmm. just laughter can, can just make you feel that much better. The other thing I do is I incorporate exercise. I try to do it at least a minimum of three to four days a week. If I don't do it three to four days a week, I don't beat up on myself. I'm just, well, my body just didn't want it right now. So to exercise, I really enjoy running, um, but I will also walk. I will play with my two uh, cute puppy dogs, or I'll go on bike rides or just to hang out like that. It's very fun. I also have started incorporating in my lifestyle to do meditation and mindfulness practices. Uh, so there are a lot of people that I've read who live with ADHD and they say, oh my gosh, how can you sit there and do meditation? You can't move. But what I find, have found for myself, it actually grounds me to the moment. It, it forces me to be in the moment, to slow down. And when I get off of doing meditation practices, I find that I'm a little more squirrely. So for me, it's, it's very important to do that. I also have started eating healthy again, uh, which is eating less processed foods. Processed foods are those that are like your chippies or pizza, anything boxed, anything canned. Um, I primarily make almost everything homemade now. There's a few oh, things. Wow. Yeah, I haven't figured out how to make bread or tomato paste yet, but um, I'm going to learn it. <laughs> so the other thing that I have just started doing is really talking about my diagnosis because that 
for one, will help me push the shame aside, push the shame aside. But I just know that by talking about it is going to help at least one person that may want to seek me out to go, what did you do? You know, what was it like? And if, if that, if, if one person were to come to me and ask me about it, that will be my mission, be absolutely wonderful. So, but the biggest thing really is, is to incorporate exercise and eating. That really helps the body physically and emotionally. And I couldn't agree with you more. I'm a little bit laid up. I just found out I have to have another, I've had major surgery. Now I have to have a minor surgery on a knee that mm. just does not want to play. He just doesn't want to play with me. And I will tell you, because I haven't been able to get the exercise and because of, you know, the profession I'm in, the uncertainty of when, you know, income comes in and everything, my anxiety has been at a high. Mm -hmm. So I have had to laugh, like you say, I have had to, I, I need to become one of these laugh people. I literally discovered myself the other day watching this baby squirrel as I was outside because I'm like an earth child. So if I'm outside nice weather, I'm grounded and it's Mm -hmm. grounding me. And I saw this little baby squirrel and he was just having a big old ball. He was having so much fun. And I'm an extrovert and no, I'm not okay in the pandemic. And I literally, he looked at me, I waved at him and said, hello. And then busted out laughing because I'm like, yep. (laughs) It's come down to me talking to my squirrel friend. And I see him every day. And I'm like, dude, you're back. Yay. And then somebody asked me, they were like, when we're done with the pandemic, what are you going to do? And I go, I'm going to hug strangers. And then I'm going to recite from Tommy Boy. I wish we would have known each other a little better. This was a little bit awkward. (laughs) Oh, that's so funny. I know I want to like pet him, but he is all about keeping it. His mama must've warned him, keeping his distance from me. But yesterday he let me know he was here by knocking some things off of a squirrel nest onto my head. And he literally came, he's becoming like closer and closer to me. And Aww. I'm like, it's like my boy. A squirrel yes. is my boy. <laughs> Your squirrel friend. That is so adorable. And oh. it's so funny to me, though, like, if you would have asked me in 2018, when I like to say the crap hit the fan, if I would be, one, talking about my diagnosis, two, be in this place of incredible anxiety and be able to still laugh, there's no way. There's <laughs> no way. And the more I've talked about my disorder the more comfortable I feel. And on top of that, realize that I am not my disorder. I am way more than that. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, Brene Brown talks about that uh, regarding shame. She is a shame researcher. Mm-hmm. And so the more, you, the more you keep whatever that secret quiet, the more, the, more the, fee, the shame will feed on it or something like that, she says. And, but when you start talking about that particular incident, you are speaking about the shame. And so when you speak about it, the shame cannot grow. It, it cannot grow. But when you don't speak about it, it festers. And that's when all the yuck comes. And that's when 
You want yeah. to the bad stuff. You have the negative self-talk. I'm stupid. Why did I let myself get in this pandemic? This is nobody's fault. I mean, right. So, so then it's all the ruminating. So when you are able to, if you have a circle and we'll call that, that you're ruminating about a certain topic. So you just keep going in circles. You're, you're going to get nowhere and you're going to keep going. I'm so bad. I'm so bad. But if you take an eraser and you erase off a little bit of that circle. So now you don't have a full circle. So now that ruminating thought's going to stop and it won't be able to keep going around. So now you've made a conscious effort now to say, okay, I'm not a bad person. This isn't my fault. So the more than you take an eraser and you erase off a little bit more of that, another area. So now there's going to be two areas that are blocked for your thoughts to keep going. And, um, it, but when, but when we don't know how to cope with that, you're just going to keep going in circles. And that's when really unfortunate things will happen. So like there's a, a um, an author, it's, his name is C.W. Metcalf. And mm -hmm. uh, his co-author is, I think it's like, her name is R. Philiblay. I'm really bad at <laughs> But the book is called Lighten Up, Survival Skills for People Under Pressure. The quote is, somebody said to the C.W. Metcalf, they said, hey, dude, you need to either lighten up and live or tighten up and leave. So what that means, and it's not about hurting yourself or anything like that, is no. stop taking your life so serious. So part of being a certified laughter leader, that that really is their motto. Too, is they take humor and laughter serious, but they don't take life seriously. Because if we can't laugh at ourselves, we will tighten up and leave. You are so right. And you know yeah. what I did the other day? I, I almost texted you to say, you're never going to believe the stupid thing I just did. And normally, old Jesse would have been like, oh my God, why? Really? So I bought one of those glass Starbucks Frappuccinos from a gas station. Oh, yeah. And normally I shake them up. Well, I put it in my, I put it in my cup holder in my car and I was putting my wallet back in my purse and I went to shake it up. Well, this girl had a moment of not so much clarity and forgot that she um, opened it. And took the lid off prior to shaking. Half of my Frappuccino went all over me and all over my car. Oh my God, that's... And the first thing I did was go, really? And then I started laughing. I'm like, how did I do this? Like, how did I even... Really? I was laughing so hard that people were walking by looking at me going, what is so funny? And I wanted to yell out the window, I just spilled coffee all over me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, seriously, I don't even, I didn't even, I had to have looked at the bottle to pick it up, but did not correlate. There's no cap on it, Jesse. Boom. Explosion in my car. It was, well, it was impressive. <laughs> yes, I can only imagine. You better hurry up and get it cleaned up, otherwise it's going to smell. I did. I did yeah. clean it up right away. But it, <laughs> literally, I, I was like, that is impressive that you somehow <laughs> managed to do it's, that. 
but the but the, the person that is that's in China who who has come up with uh, the world laughter leader Steve Wilson he would crack up at that he would yes. go is exactly what you're supposed to laugh at because if you don't laugh at that you're going to get so mad and go oh my gosh I got to clean this up now it's going to take me you know and that's the time to laugh at yourself and it's important to always like with the world being a, a certified laughter leader which is part of the world laughter tour is you never laugh at somebody else's expense no make fun of them unless they're already doing it. So like in this case, oh, believe it, I would have been, I mean, I'm laughing now, but I'm laughing harder at that point. But if this was something that embarrassed you, that it was just something that just affected you, then it's not okay to laugh because right. it, it's going to affect you. But in this case, I would have laughed. Well, and you know, it's funny is we're trying to teach our kids this method as well. And, you know, they're eight. And my daughter is eight going on 25 and she can oh be, boy. she can be drama at times. Yes. <laughs> and there will be moments where she will go, this is the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. What don't you understand? And me and my ex-husband will have to cover our mouths because we're getting ready to laugh. And then all of a sudden she'll look at our faces and she'll just bust out laughing. Oh, and and we're just like, you're right. It doesn't seem fair, but it is really flipping funny, wouldn't you say? And she'll be like, she'll laugh so hard she'll cry, and that is the greatest laugh. Yep, that is the greatest laugh because you are just releasing everything and all of that. And oh, I mean, I can't say I can't say enough about laughter and. I learned to laugh from my sisters, from my nephew who is six and probably ready for his comedy tour. <laughs> I, I mean, he, he rode a riding lawnmower with his dad and literally my sister was filming it and he yelled out, he's six, and yelled out, I've never felt so alive. <laughs> oh, oh my goodness. That is so, I know. so it's it's surrounding me and every time I get to a dark place it's like okay what from my movie collection or Netflix can I pull out yes and so here's another example of where laughter serves people so my mother passed away in 2005 with cancer and it we had a lot of humor moments and so part of humor is you have it's it is okay and healthy to laugh during these times. So she was, it was probably about six months before she was gonna die and so we had to go pick out her. She said, let's go pick out my casket. And, oh boy, this will be a good field trip. She goes, I know. So we get to the funeral home and my mom is maybe 5'1". And uh, she says to the director, we're here to pick out my casket. He's like, okay. So he takes us to where all the caskets are and he's, and. She has her one hand across her belly and the other one under her chin, like, hmm, she's thinking really hard and she's looking back and forth at all these caskets. And she said, I don't think they're all going to fit me. I'm looking <laughs> at her and the casket and the mortician's looking at her and we're, I'm thinking, you're a shrinky dink lady. They're all going to fit you. And this sweet guy says, no, no, Sandy, you're going to fit. 
you're going to be fine. She stayed in the same position and shook her head and kept looking. No, I really don't think I'm going to fit. I'm looking at her now and I'm starting to laugh. <laughs> what is your deal, lady? So she did this a couple more times and he finally says, Sandy, you are, you're short enough. You, you, you will not have a problem. You're going to fit. She goes, okay, well, here's the thing. She goes, I'm just going to put it out there. She goes, so when it gets to that time when I am dead and you have to put me in here, she goes, I have a feeling I'm going to be too long. So I'm giving you verbal permission right now that you can take my legs and you can break them and shove them underneath me. <laughs> and said that I'll probably, I'm sure I'll get a new pair wherever I go. Oh my gosh. I started to laugh so hard. <laughs> Poor mortician said, no, no, no. And he's very serious and so Sandy, no, you're going to fit. You're going to be fine. I'm, my mom and I are, we didn't stop laughing. I'm like, lady, you're so silly. And so that's how we dealt with her, her cancer and her dying. Oh <laughs> my gosh. And you know, I was actually two years ago considering going to mortician school because I, I don't know, I just have a, a fixation for helping people during the grieving process. Sure, yeah. And I did a one day internship and they were very impressed with me. But at the same time, I left going, y'all can't laugh and you're a little too stuffy for me because there were family members that would come up to you and be like, I wish you would have known my loved one because he would have had you in stitches over X, Y, Z. And all the other morticians would stand there and just go, yes, that, oh, yeah. And I was laughing with them. And I'm just like, yeah, I'm not going to, this is not going to work. You people need a sense of humor. Yeah. Oh my God, I'm not going to fit in the, you can break my life. <laughs> well, but, but, th- th- but that's when you need to laugh, you know, but you have to know your, you to know your audience as well. So if you don't know yeah. them, you don't laugh. But I have a friend, he, he's retired now, but he was a mortician and his nickname, uh, are you ready? Mm-hmm. Digger. <laughs> and if he ever heard this he would hug me a lot but he has the best sense of humor and he knew when to use it you know for certain families and so I had been to funerals where he was the one that was the mortician for for that person and the jokes that he would say to my husband and me you know under his breath were just hilarious and then I'd see him to the next person he's very stoic and very very professional, but he knew when he could be silly and, but yeah, he was Digger. And then I ended up meeting two other morticians and their nicknames were Digger as well. And oh my gosh, Digger <laughs> as a mortician. <laughs> <laughs> so it is so humor is so good. And, it, and really it, and they talk about that in the lighten up book, the importance of uh, laughter through somebody dying and yeah. through somebody living with cancer, surviving something horrific, it, you know, because when you laugh, it honestly makes the situation better. You will never change it, but you will have shifted that, the perspective. And like you did with your, with your coffee, your frappuccino, because it could have ruined your whole day. It, it, it would have. At one point in my life, it would have. 
Yeah. And, and did you know, this is one of the cool tips about, um, you know, moving forward too, is did you know if you had that really good hearty laugh, mm-hmm. like you did with your children and with yourself, you can burn about 40 calories. <gasps> Stop. But it doesn't help. It, you can't just hang up all your exercise clothes either. Okay. But, but it doesn't burn calories because what it does, you know, um, and there's some research to that. So it, it burns calories. So What about laughing so hard my stomach muscles hurt? That's the best kind. That, Is that kind ab workout right there? Because it feels like it. Okay, Is that an ab research, workout? I don't know about research on that, but I'm going to say yes because... <laughs> It's when you're done, and it's the best laugh. And there's a comedian that she talks about laughter, and she goes, "What is it? People laugh, and then it's you don't hear them laugh, and then all of a sudden they go, oh, you know, yes, they have, oh, and she goes, everybody does it. Why do we do that? And it's that sense of like, oh my gosh, that was so good. And then you also have the laughters where people will be laughing really hard and then a snort will come out. She goes, yeah. and then laugh more because they snorted. And, <laughs> and it's, oh, it's, so laughter really is the best medicine. And I found that for me living with ADHD, at first I was like, nobody's going to talk about this. It's a secret. And now I will be doing something and I'll be like, all right, we can't go forward. I'm having squirrel moments. <laughs> Over on step one, well, I'm on step 100 here, so I don't know what happened between one and 100, but all right, help me back. So so I'm I'm recognizing the things that I struggle with, and so I just have to joke about it, you know. You do. I mean, you know, I've even been able to laugh about my attempt story because God, for me, it's God. For some people, it can be the universe, but I was having an out loud conversation with God and then they kicked in my door and I was like, really, really, man? And then he sent like the hottest fireman ever. (laughs) And I'm depressed, trying to die. And I'm like, really? It was like him going, yeah, you tried it. I stopped it. And on top of that, I'm going to tell you why this doesn't look good. (laughs) I mean, the hottest fireman. And I was trying to lie my way out of it and everything. And ironically, one of them was someone I knew. And when everything, you know, when a couple months had gone by, we reached out to each other and I thanked him. And he said to me, hey, Jess. And I was like, yeah. And he goes, you really, really need to not lie and I was like I know that was a really stupid moment he goes no 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 like forever because worst liar I've ever seen in my life like if you commit a murder you're going down and I'm just like I go oh I'm not that bad he was like oh no I've only been in the car for three minutes listening to a song and the entire house smells like carbon monoxide like really he goes we were airing out your flipping house and you're just like no he goes a Subaru legacy doesn't put out that much (laughs) and I did I lost it and I'm like you know it going to the hospital and being in partial hospitalization and meeting other seriously professionals 
everybody that I went to the hospital with that was in there with me and impartial with me, police officer, nurse, teacher, Mm -hmm. professionals, we would laugh at these moments. And we would then laugh about how if anybody who was a, we called them normie, that didn't have something like what we had, heard us, they'd be like, "Uh, oh, you shouldn't laugh at that. No, we got to the healing point where laughter was okay and it was good. And to be around people that you can do that with. And I've told people before, when I've told stories of, you know, some of my incidences or, you know, a manic moment or whatever, I'm like, it's okay to laugh at me. I was crazy. Laugh away. I do. I mean, it's okay. Give yourself permission to laugh at yourself. Because when you give other people permission, because by giving yourself permission, you're giving other people permission. And all of a sudden, the disorder, the stigma, it goes away. They see this amazing, authentic, funny human yeah. being. Yeah. They don't see Jesse bipolar anxiety. They see, oh, she's freaking hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> I was just going to say, it's like, you know, part of it is like you or anybody, like, but you are not defined by your diagnosis. You... You are someone who happens to live with, you know, bipolar or ADHD or schizophrenia or, yes, I have attempted uh, suicide in the past or I have an addiction, you know, I'm in recovery from blah, blah, blah. And once, like you said, once you name it, you just, it's not to move forward, ignore it, but it's simply to go, that's just part of me. I have a hand or I don't have a hand. I had a hand, or I have an, a leg, or I used to have a leg, mm-hmm. but it doesn't change who you are. It's just all about that perspective, you know, and I think it's also, it's important for others to, if they are worried about somebody, is to confront them, so if they see somebody hurting, um, you know, um, maybe struggling with something with bipolar, they might be manic or more depressed, or maybe they're giving away prized possessions, and ask them what's going on. Um, I was walking, it was last, I think it was last spring, and it was not where you were a puffy, heavy winter coat, but you still needed a coat in the morning. And it was in the college area of Eau Claire. And I saw some young guy with this big puffy coat sitting on the edge of this cliff or big hill that led down to, to the, um, the trip, I think it was Chipper River. And he had a hat on, and I noticed a small bottle of water, and then I saw that big old chug lug of wine. Oh. It's nine o'clock in the morning. I'm like, what's, what's happening here? And so with my training, I just wanted to observe the situation, so I, I walked past him just so I could see what was going on. I truly believe in my whole being this person was about to kill himself, to mm-hmm. I mean, it's a place where you, you would slide, you could walk down it or you'd fall down it more into the water. But I walked back and I introduced myself to him. And I asked what his name was, asked him what he was doing and, Bob, you know, just told him just a little bit about myself. And I flat out said, are you going to hurt yourself? And he said, no, why would you say that? I said, well, you have on this big, heavy fur or feather feather down coat 
and you have the big chug lug of wine because it's not open. I'm saving it for later. And I said, well, I, I see that. I said, but I see you. And I see that I want you to know I see you and I'm here for you. And uh, I said, what are your plans? What are you going to do? And, you know, just kept asking questions. And I saw something in his eyes turn that day. He, oh, wow. I watched him. Uh, well, and so I, we made like a tentative plan. He said, I am going, I can't remember where he said he was going somewhere. And I said, but I don't see this vehicle. And he goes, well, they're coming. And uh, I'm like, okay. But I decided to kind of stick around and I kind of watched from afar. And, uh, but he really did get in a vehicle with someone, but then he got back out because he thought I left. And, uh, and so then I just made sure he just went and sat back down and, uh, but he, he was fine. And then I, you know, just called the police to have him go do a welfare check. But I think if somebody wouldn't have said anything to him, I, if he would have gone in that water with that coat on, it would have just been heavy. Yeah. So, you know, for everybody out there, if you see something that doesn't make sense, and if you're afraid to ask somebody, are you going to kill yourself? Are you going to hurt yourself? Don't be afraid to ask because that person's already thinking it. You're not going to push them over the ledge, you know, you know, it, it's already there. So that day, I, I truly believe that just by introducing myself to him, that made a difference in his world. Absolutely. Because it was somebody cared. Somebody saw him. Yeah. It was pretty moving for me that, that he, that I saw that. So. That is so beautiful. Oh, so, Heidi, I can't thank you enough for coming on here. We're uh, having you back because we need more laughs. Okay. Yes, we will. And if I can figure out how to do some laughter stuff on here, I will try, but. That would we'll be see. awesome. We'll see. We'll but see. It, it might not make sense, but. <laughs> hey, you and the audience may just have become best friends. <laughs> and please, they can look me up on Facebook. You know, um, I don't have a Facebook page yet. And my website is not running because it's, I haven't officially started. So they're in the process, but they can send me private messages on Facebook and I will get back to them. So. Awesome. And I've also got Heidi tagged in Recovering Mentally Crew on Facebook group. So feel free to get her there as well if you didn't get her whole name. It is in Recovering Mentally Crew. Heidi, again, thank you. I really appreciate it. Yes, thank you. I appreciate, I appreciate what you're doing for everybody. It's amazing. Oh, thank but, you. So I'm glad about that beautiful uh, fireman and that God knocked your door in. Me too, but God, could I have been in a better place? <laughs> I Thank got you. no dates from that one. No dates. So, <laughs> I know. <laughs> Well, thank you so much, everybody. You can catch Heidi on Recovering Mentally Crew. And if you have any questions for her or want to reach out to her or just need a good laugh, this is your woman. Well, you guys, that's all we've got for today. Thank 
thank you so much for joining us. I hope you go out in the world this week and be the badasses and authentic selves that you are because you are amazing. Do not hesitate to hit review and let us know what you need to hear because that's the goal. We're here for you. We are recovering mentally together. See you soon. Thank you.